God and still have a soft heart and still walk correctly to the end? Will I make it? Uh, I think that as we go on and the Lord gives us certain things, certain responsibilities, and, and he does that for everyone, uh, not just you know, those that minister the word, but you, know, you teach a class downstairs, or even taking this away from the, the, um, the church atmosphere, you know, God gives you responsibility of young children, and you deal with that. And you have to be even a, a Christian in what you're doing, you know, how, doing it right. And you wonder, boy, am I going to make it? And then I think, Lord, will my life lived in faith, you know, will it, after how many, however how many years I have left, will I have made an impression on anyone? Before you come to the Lord, you make an impression on people. But that impression is nothing that will glean anything of eternal value. And at most, uh, they may, may remember you as being a nice person or, you know, a, a good parent or the like. You know, how will, will I, as a person, be remembered? I, I often thought, you know, will my children remember me as a good father? How will they see me? Uh, we get together sometimes, and I, I hear them talk about some of my failures as a parent. I would much rather them view me, and when they remember me, remember me as a man of God, someone, someone that walked with God his life. And as you go on as a Christian, God puts certain things upon you. I remember teaching, I've been teaching, before I taught in the Bible school here, I taught um, some home Bible studies in South Hills and uh, some other places. I taught at the Bulk Mill Center. And then, <clears throat> then I was moved into teaching at the Bible school. And it was very interesting. You see how the Lord deals with you over the years. And whenever you, you teach two semesters and whenever May would come, you have a break from May to the end of August, the middle of May to the, to the end of August. And I used to look forward to that because I didn't have the weight of the responsibility to teach. And so the Lord graces you, or put, put another way, he gives you grace in that to where, okay, it's all right if the responsibility is lifted for a time, that's fine because that's where you are, that's his grace to you, and so on. Then, oh, it's been quite a while now, but then what the Lord did was at the time of break from May till, to the end of August, there was no longer a lifting of the responsibility to teach. So that whether I was teaching or not, I, I could feel the weight. I felt it come down. It doesn't, it doesn't lift at all. And then the Lord led me to start to put certain things, certain books, organize the notes and have them translated for 
the purpose of helping others. But the point being this, that God will put certain things upon you, and at times you will really feel the weight of them. Sometimes, you know, like, like, like it says in John, that um, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So you're in the yoke with Jesus. But that does not mean that you will not feel some of the weight of the yoke. And so whenever the Lord puts certain things upon Christians, teacher, a pastor, or whatever, He puts them there, He helps you carry them, but you feel them. And then you have this thought, will I make it? Will I continue on? Will I be able to keep a right heart? Will I be able to receive the grace of God and stay where He's put me? Because the temptation comes to every Christian to turn aside. I don't care who you are. And no matter how much or how little weight he's put on you, if he's put some responsibility upon you, uh, even for your family, there's, there's always the temptation to turn aside. And that's, that's there. Will I be able to make it to the end now, we're all going to make it to an end, but will I be able to make it to the end, fulfilling the will of God, carrying what He's given me to carry, and more than that, carrying it with a correct heart and carrying it correctly? See, that, that, those, are, those are questions. I have those questions as far as I'm concerned. I've seen too many people in my time as a Christian, you know, drift away, uh, not necessarily from a church, but drift away from the Lord. There's a big difference there. You know, you know, drifting away from what the Lord has given you, what he's, what he's graced you with. Now go to Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 1, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. So that what we read in chapter 11, dealing with these men and women of faith, how they endured their lifetime from the beginning to the end, being faithful to God in doing whatever it was that he had given them, whatever responsibilities he had given them, making it to the end. And the writer here gives this example, in chapter 11, all these examples, and brings this down to verse 1 to encourage the Christians of his day that, yes, if you walk with God... You will make it, and you will have an expected end. Seeing we are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Um, two other translations. The Amplified says, Therefore, then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony of the truth. It's not so much that... Right now, they're viewing us and watching us type of thing. 
No, it is the testimony of their life. They testified of the truth so that now you and I still hear and possibly see that witness. Um, verse, look at verse uh, 4 in chapter 11. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. So it's not that, that Abel is audibly speaking now. It's that his life witnessed to the truth, and his life still speaks. His, the truth that he witnessed to, or you could say his testimony, still speaks today. And so we have all these examples, even today, of men and women from chapter 11, who God used, their testimony of faith still speaks to us today. Now, I don't want to go any further. Another translation says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge cloud of witnesses to the life of faith. So, so you and I have the witness of people who have gone on before us and are a testimony to the fact that it can be done. We can walk this entire life correctly and walk with God in His will and His ways for us to the very end without deviating and swerving away from the truth. So he goes on and he says, now because of this, because we have this cloud of witnesses, because their lives testified to the faith that they had in God, let us lay aside every weight, and he goes on. Lay aside means to stop or to cease. And there's one meaning it says to cease doing what one's accustomed to doing. So that if you are a Christian who is walking with God and you are moving in his will, then you don't cease, need to cease what, what you're accustomed to doing. But you have some Christians who they, they walk with God and then they, they move, they deviate. Um, in here, there, there's a, a wavering or, or, or whatever, and he says that this type of pattern... The Christian who, who moves with that type of pattern, and, and you see that. Some people who, you know, they're moving along real well for a month or two or whatever, then, then they're back to some of their old ways, and you see back and forth, back and forth. If, if that's your pattern, then you need to lay aside. That means to cease, cease from doing what you're accustomed to doing. It's like a, uh, like a pattern we get in. You know, there's patterns... There's good patterns. There's, even in the natural, there's good patterns. There's, there's patterns that aren't good. Um, and the same goes in, in the spiritual realm. There are patterns we can get into that are good, and they move along with the will of God. And then there are patterns that we can fall into that aren't so good, and God needs to come 
and, and deal with us and correct that. Now, it's interesting, these two English words lay aside. Uh, they're translating a Greek verb. This Greek verb is in the middle voice. Uh, I won't write it down. I'll just tell you. The middle voice is not a... a um, there, there's no middle voice in English, put it that way. The middle voice means the subject performs the action upon himself for his own benefit. And the example that I usually give is the boy groomed himself. So the boy does whatever, he picks up a comb or something, and he's grooming himself. He's, he's performing the action upon himself for his own benefit so that when one of you big boys come to church, that it doesn't look like you just rolled out of bed. So this is a middle voice verb. So this is something that God has placed under our control. It's not that we pray to God and say, okay, God, lay aside, help me lay aside. We could pray that, but he's not going to lay it aside, certain things, the weight and sin. He doesn't lay them aside. That is given into your hand and my hand so that we have the power to lay something aside. God's not going to do it for you. That's why uh, the writer uses the, that particular verb. You have the power to do it. You perform the action for your own benefit, because it will benefit you. So he says here, therefore lay aside, uh, or you could say to put off, or, or to put from yourself. Every weight, two things, every weight, and the sin. Now, the weight there means burden or hindrance. And if you've been walking with the Lord for any length of time, you will find out that there always seems to be some type of hindrance. If you think about it, many times there's a hindrance even to coming to church. There's all sorts of things we have to deal with, and there's all sorts of things that come upon us to burden us and to hinder us so that we would not continue to move along the line that God has set forth for us as Christians. So you can expect that. You've all experienced it to some degree. Uh, some of you probably more intense than others, but there are hindrances and things that we have to deal with. So we're to lay aside every weight. There's things that um, will weigh your heart down. I'm not talking about good things. I'm talking about things that, that come, and, and if you let it, it it'll like paralyze you. you know, they'll, they'll weigh you down so much that, that now all your attention is being spent upon that rather than upon, you know, the Lord or upon walking um, in the manner and in the direction that he has chosen for you. So, you know, everyone in, in this walk experiences these things. Another weight, I would have to say, is our faults and shortcomings. You know, if you look at yourself, 
I'm not recommending it, unless the Lord's directing your attention there. You can look, but don't stay, keep your attention there. But, you know, we all have faults. We all have shortcomings. And, and if we dwell on them, I'm telling you what, if, if my mind were to dwell on some of the shortcomings that I have, and some of the failures that I have, you, you know, and sometimes, you know, you know it's wrong, you know not to do that or to act that way or to say whatever. And yet, we go ahead and do the same very thing that we know is not right. And then, the devil comes in, tries to you know, bring condemnation, and you say, look at you. I mean, you've been a Christian for all these years, and, and look, look at the failure, your fault. Well, I'm telling you, you have to lay that aside. That, become, that can become a weight on you to where now it will, will get you more and more bound to where you can't run the race because your weight is, is just pull, you know, pushing down upon you. Linda used to do cross-country uh, marathons, right? How many marathon runners do you see putting on a huge backpack with all kind of stuff in it? No, they don't. They don't wear those. Why? Because the weight will hinder them in their run. I used to rock climb. I haven't rock climbed for quite a while, but when you rock climb and you're on a vertical, a 90 degree, if you have anything on, I don't care if it's something light, we used to take um, the carabiners and that, and we used to slide them in a little pouch further up front here. But if you've put anything on your back, what it does, it moves the center of gravity out just a little, and you cannot stay on the rock without great effort. Well, what was that? That becomes a weight. You can't have that. You have to throw that off. So any type of weight can cause you difficulty in moving along this line that God wants us to go, called His will. And your faults and shortcomings can be a tremendous hindrance to you personally. If you don't put those aside, you know, lay aside every weight, every weight, because you need to run. There's a, a fellow, I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Uh, he lives in California, ultra-marathon man. Anybody ever heard of him? No, I don't advocate r running like this. But this guy runs nonstop. He ran nonstop for 36 hours. He'd call ahead with his cell phone to a pizza shop or whatever. They'd stand on the corner with something. He'd run by and grab it and keep eating and going. Don't ask me how he does other things. I don't know. He ran, he ran 350 miles one time without stopping. In spirit, as a Christian, you cannot run like the rabbit. See, the rabbit, the jackrabbit. Man, they take off. You ever see a rabbit? If you watch them for a while, they don't get too far before they have to stop. And they're stopping. Rather, we are to pace ourselves, if you will, we are to be consistent, and we are to run 
and continue at a pace, and the pace, I believe, is set by God. By the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit. He comes and he sets the pace. Sometimes the pace may be a little faster, sometimes maybe a little slower. But, but he knows the beginning from the end. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. So, so from the beginning, he can set the pace for you so that you will come to the end and finish the race the way it should be done. The way it's, it's intended for you personally. Let me see here. I want to see how the Amplified. Let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, every unnecessary weight. Well, another weight is seen turned to one John. Have you ever wondered if you're going to make it? Am I the only one that ever thinks like that? <laughs> no, I know I'm not. But, you know, God's given us all that we need. But, you know, it, it takes a strengthening from the Lord at times to keep us going. You know, it, it, it's Him. Uh, it, it has to be Him. Any affection of the earth becomes a hindrance. Verse 15, chapter 2. Now, when I say affection, I don't mean the affection that you, you're, you're to have for your wife or husband or children. No, this is something different. This is an affection for the world, affection for, for things that will draw you away from the will of God. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And, and that word there, that love, <clears throat> is agape. So, <clears throat> what happens is there is a love, or the word is probably better um, explained as the word, um, <clears throat> excuse me, dedicated. So, first, you dedicate yourself to something. It doesn't matter what it is. See, things in and of themselves are not wrong. But when there's a dedication that comes out from the heart to those things, then there's a problem. See, I have never, ever, ever been dedicated to any sport, to, as Pastor Jim has mentioned, weightlifting, any of that. Never. Not, not one sport. And, or, or to exercise. For me... The Lord, I could do it. It's no big deal. But if, if I was dedicated to something, then the Lord was going to deal with me on it, as with in other areas of my life that he's dealt with. But see, first, there is this dedication that comes out from the heart, and we're dedicated to something. Then what happens is, as we begin to move in that, we have this fondness or affection for it. And then once we have this affection, then we're in trouble because now, you know, the Lord eventually has to, to come in and do something to chastise us, whatever, to break that affection. So, so the dedication, I believe, is the beginning of it. And if we move in that and stay in that, then it's, it's more difficult, it causes more problems for us, 
And then the Lord takes even more stronger measures to, to deal with that particular thing. So he says, love not the world, nor the things that are in the world. See, because, because what happens there is you become entangled. And when you become entangled, these things become a weight for you, whether you, you realize it or not. And when you have that weight, you cannot run the race. You're not going to get very far. Oh, you may go to church. You may go for a period of time. You know, you're, you're, you're seem like everything's fine. You're just bebopping. You know, there you go. You're... But before you know it, you're winded. You're stopping. I'm just going to stop for a little rest. And then before you know it, the person's out of the way. And, and, the, and the sad part about it is they don't even realize they're out of the way. That's the sad part. They think that they're still, you know, running the race the way they should. Then he goes on in that verse. He says, lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And the sin. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means that if you have sin in your life, that the Holy Spirit will convict you. He will come in a gentle way and he will show you what it is in your life that's sin. If we don't agree with the Holy Spirit in saying, okay, this is what it is, then that becomes a weight that is there. Uh, there was a thing that happened not too long ago to me and the Lord showed me that I was wrong in a particular thing. And I knew that I had to go about to correct that. Now, first of all, if I did not agree with the Lord, that would become a hindrance to me, a weight. Furthermore, if I'm not agreeing, and, and the way he showed me was that if I didn't take care of it now, I would have to take care of it later, but it's going to be more difficult. It's going to be out in the open. It's going to be like it says in here, the scour that he, he, every child, he scourges every child he loves. And I said, well, don't have to tell me twice. <laughs> so I took care of it. But if I didn't, now it becomes something that is even weightier becomes sin that is weighing me down. So we're admonished to lay these things aside. Whatever hindrance, whatever weight, whatever sin, whatever shortcoming, whatever it is that keeps us from moving along with the Lord, we, 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 need to take that and lay that aside. And I believe that the Lord helps us do that when we want to. I mean, it's up to us, but he'll help us. Let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, every unnecessary weight, and the sin which so readily, deftly, and cleverly clings and entangles us. 
entangles us, and it clings to us. Oh, I don't want to do that, Lord, because it's too hard for me. Well, what's going to happen? It's going to cling and entangle you. And let us run with patience or with patient endurance and steadily, etc., etc. The race that is set before us. It's interesting here, the word beset. So easily, and I, I like how the King James uh, says that, it easily. It doesn't take a whole lot. It easily besets us. It easily weighs us down. It easily sidetracks us. It's amazing, amazing. If you watch your heart, you personally, and see how easily you can be turned. It's, it's the grace of God that we're able to, to continue on with him and stay in his will. The grace of God. You know, one thought, you know, one, one attitude we have can eventually cause us to just, like they say, chuck it all. It's just the way we are, the way we were made. But also, the grace of God, remember, is much more strong than we realize, too. So that the grace of God can cause us to continue and to move correctly when even our very nature is telling us to turn aside. Boy, these things are, are really something. So, so easily turned aside. These things so easily beset us. The word beset means to retard running. I like that. See, that's one of the meanings. Retarding us from running the race. And then you have this word here that we've seen before. And let us run. Now, I didn't um, intend to bring this up, but I'll just bring it out anyway. That, that phrase there, and let, let us run, is a subjunctive mood phrase, which means that the possibility exists, but it's not a guaranteed thing. It's possible that we are going to run the race with patience as set before us, but there's also the possibility that, that Christians will not run the race, and that would be because they're, they're too weighed down and, and just, you know, turn out of the way or whatever. So let us run with patience. It's interesting, that word. Let's, um, we've had it in a couple of scriptures before. Let's go to six, Hebrews 6.12. Run with patience, the race set before us. That ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So, so those two elements there are necessary elements for inheritance, uh, to inherit the promise. Faith in God, and it has nothing to do with how you feel. It, it's, it's a heart condition uh, poised toward God. You know, that you have faith in God, you believe God, you trust in Him, regardless of what the natural 
view of things are. So no matter how it looks in the natural, see, faith continues on not based on the natural. And then you have patience, and with the word patience, there's always some type of time element, and many times it's much further you know, than we think. If the Lord would show us how long it's going to take for a particular thing, you know, a promise for us, I believe many times we would give up. We would. Because it's not in our nature to, to really want to wait, be patient. See, we want everything to happen now. And we, we're all like that. But I like the Lord because what he does is he puts you in a situation, in a circumstance, that is beyond you to change. And you can't do anything but wait. <laughs> so you have to be patient in that. You have to have faith toward God and be patient if you want to see the end of that. See, so he, he actually helps us by doing that. I mean, he doesn't have to do that, but he knows, he knows how we are. I've been in a situation where uh, I had to have faith toward God and had to, to have patience for the promise for many, many years. And if it were, I mean, I could have walked away from God, but I'm talking about if you're going to walk with God, now you're in a place where you're going to de develop some patience in you. You're going to have to wait. For, for the promise to be fulfilled, you're going to have to wait. And, and we don't like that, do we? But, I mean, it's, it's okay because it develops certain things in us that would never, ever be developed otherwise. How many people in the world uh, have that type of patience? I mean, you know, you see people. They're not even patient enough to pass your car to get in front of you. They're going to cut you off. You know, but, but see, the Lord, he knows our frame, and he knows that we are dust, but dust. And he, he brings certain things to bear that we're not even under, some of us don't understand or don't even see. And so he says, okay, here's the promise. You have faith toward me. You have your heart toward me. And now in this situation, you can't do anything about it. But I'm going to develop patience there. Because the fulfillment of that promise is not going to be for five years. No, he don't tell you that. He's not telling you. Because you, you just throw your arms up. What's the use? God, don't you understand? You know, why can't we get this thing, you know, taken care of now? You have the power, Lord. You can change things. Why? Why do you have to wait? You see it's killing me. I tell you, I've been through this, I know. And the Lord doesn't say anything, doesn't answer you. It's like, where are you? Hello? Call him up. No, he keeps you there because he knows that that's the only way in certain things to develop patience in us. Chapter 10, verse 36. Or let's go to 35. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. So don't, don't, <laughs> don't cast away your confidence. Be confident that God will, you know, he'll take care of things. Which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, 
that after you have done the will of God, so you need to stay where he has you. That's it, right there. That you might receive the promise. And then going back to where we were, verse 1, I find it very fitting that the Lord would put that word there in that verse. Because this is not a 2K race. We don't know how long the race is. Oh, I mean, we know that it's going from here where we are to the end when we die. But we don't know if that's going to be 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. So I've been a Christian for quite a few years, and I'm approaching the end, but I don't know when the end is. So I have to be patient, walking with the Lord, being where I need to be, carrying what I'm supposed to carry to the, to the very end. Uh, if any of you remember my mother, she's an interesting person. She always says now that, and I mean that in a good way, because she's going to be listening to this tape. Not that. Not. <laughs> but she says now, she's 89, she can't wait to go. She can't wait till her life's over because there's nothing here, if you know what I mean, for her now. She wants to be with the Lord. She wants to go to the other side. And she's been saying that for how many years? You want to guess? Ten years? <laughs> oh, the Lord puts her in a little box, you see, and she's not going anywhere. She's been developed a little bit of patience. So you have to just endure and wait. So we're all like that, you know. We don't know how far it is, you know, how many more years, even how many more years we're going to be in the current situation we're in now. You know, be it a year, two years, three years, five years. How many of you think that you're going to be in the same situation 10 years from now than you are today? Anybody? What if I told you you were going to be in the exact same thing you're, you're in now, 10 years from now? You say, oh, boy. <laughs> well, that's the reason the Lord doesn't tell us. We don't know. We don't know how much time we have for various reasons. And we don't know how long we're going to be in a certain situation. We don't know how long we have to, you know, continue to run this race. But, okay, I'll have faith towards you, Lord, and throw myself upon your grace. Okay, you're going to develop patience in me, then so be it. It's not a bad thing. You want to be Christ-like, don't you? Don't you? I see one person nod their head yes. You want to be Christ-like? That's better. Well, that means that the Lord's going to work on your behalf and don't get mad at him because he knows what he's doing. Sometimes we don't think he knows what he's doing. We don't need to know what he's doing. I mean, it would help if we could see some of these things because then we'd be more apt to cooperate with him. But if we don't see him, just have faith toward him. I mean, he'll develop the patience, you know. It says, tribulation worketh patience. Well, that's not a bad thing. We always think, you know, the tribulation is this, that, and the other thing. Don't think what tribulation is. Just 
Say, I'm going to have faith toward God and let him work it all out. He's good at that. He'll do it. You don't need to figure everything out. I don't need to figure it out. Now, if you have an open heart and you really want to know, there will be times when the Lord will show you the working of that. And you know what that's called? It's called the ways of God. He showed Moses his ways. And he hasn't stopped doing that for Christians. I mean, he doesn't do it with everyone, because I don't think everyone can, can take seeing the way the Lord wants to work. But see, we always focus here, right now, on this thing. And we are not seeing what's going to come out of that in the near future, and what's going to come from that when we're off of this earth, when we're done here. And you know we're all moving on. We're pilgrims and strangers and pilgrims here. And there's coming a time when we're going to be done with this whole life. And and that which the Lord has done, we're going to have our eyes open to it. And I, I don't care who you are, you're only seeing a small part of it. But even being able to see a small part of it sometimes is very glorious. So you can be encouraged, I hope, with that, because the Lord's good. Let me read uh, this from the Amplified. Therefore, then, since we, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony of the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, every unnecessary weight, and the sin which so readily, deftly, and cleverly clings to and entangles us, And let us run with patient endurance and steadily and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us. So the Lord has us in a race. And the picture of this, uh, from what I could could, uh, see, is an athletic competition where they had the Colosseum, and the runners were coming into the Colosseum, I guess toward the the end of the the run. But the point being this, that we are running in this Christian race. So even though you're sitting there, you're running. Nothing to do with the natural. It's it's, it's to do with what's going on here. You know, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we are running in a race from the time we come to Christ on through our Christian walk to the very end. And he says, now that you know that, you need to be aware that certain things, when they come, need to be laid aside. All all and any weights... And any sin the Holy Spirit is showing you personally all have to go if you're going to continue to run this race and not um, faint before you get to the end. We're going to continue with this next week because I really wanted to get past verse 1, but I guess we could. So um, we'll continue on with this very thought next week dealing with the race. Shall flow.
rivers of living.